Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Impact of Influence. The tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Hello, welcome back to our podcast. I am Matt Harris, co-host Seton Tucker here as well, and we are diving into the October 19th bond hearing for Alex Murdoch. Again, thank you guys. Thanks for sharing this podcast. Thanks for giving us those five-star reviews. And we are always grateful. Murdoch Podcast on Facebook, a simple way to reach out to us. We will have John Snyder, our legal analyst, on in a minute. So October 19th, it was the bond hearing for Alec Murdoch on charges he embezzled around $3.4 million from Gloria Satterfield, the housekeeper slash nanny for the Murdoch family for many years. And Judge Newman presided. There are those two felony charges, and the state attorney general prosecutor, Waters, described those as, quote, a chain of events that I've never seen before. It's big time. And Seton, let's get into it and break it down, and then we'll find uh, what John Snyder's takeaways from this were. So one thing I kind of found really interesting was Waters the assistant attorney general goes into a little bit about these two settlements that were taken from the Satterfield kids. There was a $500,000 settlement, and there was also a $4.3 million settlement, which came off of Ellick's umbrella policy. So in this, he says that Ellick took the money and he transferred it to his own account. He talks about $100,000 credit card debt that Ellick had uh, that he paid off from this money. He also says that he paid, Alec paid his father $300,000. Alec also wrote a check to himself for $600,000, among a few others, and that the Satterfield kids got a whopping $84. Right, right. And that may, the thing that really jumped out to a lot of people is the fact that he wrote a check to his dad. Right, yes. That's crazy. The attorney general calls this the tip of the iceberg. He mentions another $118,000 that was spent in October of 2020. Um, says this is not part of the current charges, but the investigation is developing. So he expects more charges to come. The two checks, one for $2.9 million, one for $403,000. And also, another thing he mentions about these two settlements, when they took the expenses out, which is typical uh, during a lawsuit, you know, if there were expenses for anything, copies, what have you, um, those were taken out. But in both cases for both of these settlements, there were zero dollars, which is really unusual because if you're having expenses, usually there are going to be some dollar and cents at the end of it. Where like it would be $50.33, not right. $50 even. Okay. Um, and then we hear from Bland, who is the attorney for the Satterfield Heirs, and he talks about 
that we need to make sure if someone steals with a pen, it is the same as if someone steals with a gun. Great line. That was a great line. And he had a lot of epic quotes during this time. Um, He also mentions that he does not believe Alec was an opioid addict. And if he was, how would he have tried all these cases? Um, And we hear from Richter as well, who also represents the Satterfield kids. I like that Bland also, straight up, called Alec Murdoch a, quote, liar and a cheat. Didn't mince words. He did not. He had a lot of really strong comments during this uh, hearing. We also heard from Harputlian, who represents Alec, and Griffin, who also was the other attorney. And they are basically saying that Alec has completed six weeks of this detox, and he's not no longer a danger to himself. And all these things that he has done happened when he was hooked on drugs, and that only after he got hooked on opioids did things turn south. Right. Then you have Bland saying that's a bunch of boo. Bull, bull. In a nutshell, the state and Bland for Satterfield are saying he's a danger. He did the whole hired for suicide thing with Smith, and he has all this money that's sitting around, perhaps, that he could do something with. And and uh, Alex's attorneys are saying, listen, man, the dude's a, a drug addict. He needs to be uh, continue to be in rehab. And the stuff he did, he did because he was high. Right. And, we, and the result of the hearing was that Judge Newman did not grant bond at this time. Insisted on a psychiatric valuation, and then they'll go back to the table and decide on bond. Right? All right. Let's bring in... John Snyder, former DA, also was a defense attorney. He is this podcast's legal analyst. And John, what is your major takeaway from the October 19th Alec Murdoch bond hearing on two felony charges? The very first thing was the opening sentence of the prosecutor where he, he is agreeing to some sort of bond release. So he starts off and he says, we would agree to a $200,000 surety bond, and then goes into all the reasons why they want to do that. So they were not arguing against him being released. They're asking for him to be released with all these terms and conditions that are not standard for a white-collar crime. So if, if somebody else in Richland County um, was accused of um, embezzling from their church or some, you know, something, something, some other type of you know, stealing with a pen to steal Bland's excellent line, uh, they would most likely get, get bond right away. Here, they have gone through all these special terms and conditions to make sure that he appears. It sounds like the judge listened to the request, listened to the rationale of defense counsel and said, let's go get him a psych evaluation to see, you know, is, is he nuttier than squirrel poop or is he okay and not going to hurt anybody or be a flight risk while he's out? And so that's, that was my takeaway from the bond hearing. So when I watched it, what I thought was interesting was Bland was kind of giving some conditions that he wanted to happen if Alec was to receive bond. And the judge says, well, do you want Alec to receive bond? And he said, no, I absolutely don't. So do you think it is normal for him not to have received bond? 
again, I think it's one of these things where the prosecution and Harputlian probably agreed to a bond conditions. And it would be not unusual for uh, basically the, the parties to say, we'll agree to what you're seeking, but we're going to argue, we're going to go into court and give our rationale why we are pro this or anti this. And so the state had that discussion with Harputlian. Bland comes in on behalf of the victims and basically says, we don't think he should get bond at all. And so the judge is now in this, you know, the judge is now saying, okay, prosecutor, you say he's, he's dangerous, but we're going to give him bond. Defense lawyers, you say he's an addict, but give him bond. And Bland says, don't release him. And so I think the judge was very wise in saying, let's, let's get a psychological evaluation and then see what, you know, how Alex will do on either, on either being out just like anyone else might be in a financial crimes case or staying in because he's, you know, capable of all these horrendous things. I want to get to the psych about a second, but I want to ask, does the bond really matter when the big scheme of things, he's going to cover the bond. So it's not like he's going to be, he's going to be out. So does, what is the bond argument really neither here nor there? Assuming that he has some money somewhere, he is going to, he would be able to bond out no matter what. So it's not a big, big deal in that argument, really. One thing, though, that Richter said, which I found interesting, is he said, you know, on PMPED website, I guess there's an alleged $10 million. This is the first time we've actually heard how much money right. was allegedly missing. And he says on their website, they say all clients have been restored. So Richter kind of uses the argument with, that he was able to somehow restore $10 million, that that's why he shouldn't be given bond. So I kind of found that confusing. So I don't know if you have any take on that. I would assume it's the law firm saying to their clients, we've made sure all the money is back that was ever under any question. Now, that may have been they did a capital call among the partners. It may be that their insurance carrier put that back. Or they went to they went to a bank and said, "We need five, we need to borrow five million dollars so that we are in good standing with the bar." I mean, so it, it it would not be unusual for the law firm to do whatever it needed to do to make sure their clients got their money uh, properly. The leap now is alleged, I guess, that Alec took that ten million. And, and is some of these things that are being said in court, are they for the purpose of getting things on record? Absolutely. I believe you heard the first shadow of the prosecution's opening argument. They're going to they're gonna say $85. $85. That's what the Satterfield boys received from Alex Murdoch directly. $85. Meanwhile, 4500000 went to secure his lavish lifestyle in the low country. I mean, that's, that's a kind of a classic juxtaposition right. argument that, that they're, you're starting to see it reel out. And at the same time, Harputlian's, you know, reeling out his defense. So this, this case has, the trial has begun by both sides. With these particular crimes, if they can find him to be an addict or have some mental illness or whatnot, that helps the defense with these particular charges. 
absolutely. You, so there, there's kind of two types of crimes. You, you have um, malum and say and malum prohibitum. And, and that's a fancy way for saying things that you're not allowed to do by statute, like drive 100 miles on I-77. And then things, things that are require a criminal intent. And intent can be negated by uh, impaired mental capacity, whether through drug use or, um, you know, diminished mental capacity, you know, from medical condition. And so what they are setting up right now is, is, is probably to say, Alex had no idea who he was, what day it was, where he was going, where he was coming from. Yeah, I mean, Harpootlian says things didn't start going south till he started using these opioids 20 years ago. And then Bland says, well, how, how, I don't believe it. How was he able to practice law and appear in court? And so. That's right. That's what Harpootlian wants to say and create the narrative. The, his post-hearing uh, press conference was fascinating because he kept saying, you should go ask Fleming. Yeah, Alex Murdoch wasn't the attorney. Right. Fleming was the attorney, and so that that sound you heard was a giant bus that they're trying to throw Fleming under. I was very surprised when in the in the post hearing where he's like, "Why are they going after Alec? Alex? Alex in it's basically Alec had nothing to do with all this stuff." Yeah, and they kept saying, "Oh, he wasn't acting as an attorney," and then, but then Bland says, "Well, he was because you can look at the records between the." The paralegals and secretaries going from PMPD, PMPED, talking to Fleming's office that he definitely was directing as an attorney. There's a lot of jockeying going on, right? Absolutely. They're they're trying to they're trying to try their case in the public eye without there being a trial yet. Let me go back to the thing you said about if, if it's not uh, criminal intent. That doesn't mean that you don't uh, suffer some sort of consequences. It just means the consequences are different, right? That, that's right. So what they're trying to do is go from, you know, with the thing that might carry some 10 or 20 year, you know, mandatory sentence and get him into some kind of plea bargain where he has diminished prison time and, and diminished, gotcha. you know, culpability. And that whole idea that, you know, afterward, he's like, Alex wasn't a lawyer. Fleming was a lawyer. But Fleming hasn't been charged with anything. We don't know what's happening with that. But there obviously there's some things going on behind the scenes right now. My guess is that Fleming is the one that's given the factual recitation that's uncovered a lot of this. And so they're going to go after him as the as the state's chief witness on these crimes. And probably Westendorf as well, who was the banker. That's right. The defense's job right now is to damage Fleming's credibility going from, you know, Fleming's own admissions of, man, I screwed up. And so they're trying to kind of say, well, yeah, he screwed up. He, it, it, he did all the bad stuff. Alex was just <laughs> yeah, a poor, poor man that didn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> I think we have one last question. No, I have a couple. I okay. have a couple. Oh, you do? Good, good, <laughs> do. good, good. No, go. Much. Fire away. Okay. The assistant attorney general says that assets are being sold and disposed of, and Bland says that there have been financial transactions in the last week and a half, and Richter, who is also one of the attorneys for the Satterfield family, 
says that there was a transfer of a hunting club membership. So I'm just kind of wanted to get your take. Is it legal to try, while you have these pending charges, to try to liquidate assets? It is, in a, in a pending criminal case, it is legal to sell assets to pay for your defense. Now, in a civil case, you cannot hide assets to avoid creditors. And so there may be some clawback provision that they'll seek to exercise at some point. But obviously right now there's, you know, he has assets, he has legal bills. He is allowed to sell those assets to cover his legal bills unless either the state, the federal government, if they bring a case or the civil attorneys can seek to have an injunction entered against him transferring any further assets, claiming that they are, that that's waste that's being committed. And actually the money that's, that he's earning is their money. Okay. But so what do you think about Buster being Alex's financial power of attorney? Is this also a loophole? No, that's not a loophole at all. It's, you know, uh, Alex is in custody. There's no, no wife to help him, no other son to help him. So Buster's in charge of, you know, Buster's in charge. So he's got to, you know, pay, pay the electric bill, pay the house bills, all, all those things. So that's actually a very normal thing to give somebody your, your power of attorney. Okay. So one other thing that I noticed when I was watching the hearing was they called a representative from SLED up to talk. And he basically just says, I agree with you know, everything the assistant attorney general said. And then the judge kind of asked him to go over what pending investigations they have involving Ellick. And so he kind of pauses, he consults with the attorney general, and he comes back and he mentions um, Stephen Smith case. He mentions Gloria Satterfield case. He mentions multiple uh, financial investigations, but he doesn't mention Maggie and Paul's in the list. So I found this really unusual. I don't know if it was an oversight, but I didn't know if you had any sort of take on that. Oh, one more thing. The Stephen Smith thing is interesting to me and, and to you as well, Seton, because we talked about this. He mentioned Stephen Smith, but Alec has not been a person of interest. He, as far as we know, he's not been, there's not been a tie to Alec. There has been, you know, rumors around town or whatnot, but far has SLED, which is the state uh, law enforcement division, they haven't made any comments that there's a tie in there other than they found information after Paul and Maggie were killed that reopened the case. So anyway, take that's, that's what I wanted to get the background on, John. I would not read anything into the omission other than it would not make sense for law enforcement to comment one way or the other on hypersensitive matters where maybe all the witnesses haven't been brought in and talked to yet. And so I, I would I would not say that omission from the, the laundry list indication that they're not looking into it. I would just say that they're, they're, what they can publicly comment on were those things because they're either... Uh, you know, the attorney general already has those cases or, or there's some there's some uh, reason that they're speaking about it. 
That doesn't mean they're not looking at other things. Those are just the things that the attorney general said he could mention. Okay, so one last question. We know that the judge has ordered the psychiatric evaluation. Do you think that he is going to be released pending the results of the psychiatric evaluation? Based on what I heard the state's attorney saying right off the bat, I believe he is going to be released and be returned to whatever treatment facility. I believe that upon having a psych exam and the state already agreeing to some kind of conditions of release, that he will get out and he will go back to a rehab facility. But that doesn't mean that they can't arrest him again on new charges as things move forward. And so so if you're the, his defense lawyer, you're negotiating, hey, if you guys bring more charges, are we just going to consolidate his bond under one, you know, one condition of release? Or are you guys going to let him pay the, put the $200,000 up and then immediately arrest him again on new charges? You know, what's, yeah. so I, I think there's some, there's some legal gamesmanship going on right now related to bond. Does this, does this mean at all that this could impact um, his fitness to stand trial? Like any sort of insanity thing? Yeah, I mean, just from like, our earlier podcast talking about his behavior at the hospital. There's, there's no question that in all of, you know, our reported experiences about Alex, he had some awareness of what was going on around him. So did, did he suffer from such a diminished capacity that he had the inability to understand right from wrong? The answer to that is probably no, unless they, you know, find an expert witness that can say otherwise. All right. Thanks, John, our legal analyst. Uh, Murdoch Podcast is the Facebook page. And we try to get back to the comments as quickly as possible. Seton's doing most of the heavy lifting on that part of it. And Seton, you have a comment for yes, those? Yes, if I don't get back to you, it's clearly, it's definitely an oversight. So please reach back out to me and I will do my best to get back to you in a timely fashion. Uh, please share. If you feel we deserve it, give us a five-star review and we will talk soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com Ohio Mysteries.